Hi, and welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church Podcast. We want to thank you for joining us online and remind you to feel free to visit our website at seacoastvineyard.com anytime for up-to-date information on our local church here in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. If you would like to give financially to this ministry, whether that's a one-time gift or a recurring monthly gift, simply click on the Give tab at our website and give however God leads you. Now, we want you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning. I just want to say, whoever this is, uh, are you trying to kill me or bless me? I'm just not sure who. I know who you are who gave this to me. Yeah, habaneros, trying to fire me up. Uh, (laughs) I do love peppers. Good to see everybody. Thank you for coming out. My name's Tim, a senior pastor here at the church. And I just want to remind everybody that when we started the summer, we began a Thursday night service that we called Summer Church, but it, it did so well that what we've done, we've transitioned it into one of our regular services. So now, if there's anyone in our community, like our service people who uh, serve in the hotels, motels, restaurants, a lot of people can't get off on Sundays, they're having to work. Some of our small business owners have to do that as well. So now we're offering a service on Thursday nights so that you can come out or your friends that you know that serve, uh, have businesses like that and work like that can come out and be a part of the church as well. So grab a card, hand it to them, and invite them out to the Thursday night service, 630. And uh, we're just going to see what happens with that. Look, have you ever been into a meeting, walked into a group of people, and the minute you got in there, you went, I shouldn't be in here. Like, I just walked into the wrong place at the wrong time. I told the first service that uh, when I was dating my wife, we, uh, we got invited to some kind of fancy. I mean, I was, my dad was a contractor, carpenter. I didn't go to fancy things, you know, and stuff. And, and so I got invited to this uh, debutante's ball. And, uh, I mean, I'm a hippie surfer, guitar player. You know, and then I had to go get a tux, and uh, my wife was, future wife at that time, was just ravishing beauty, and we went to this meeting, and the minute I walked into the room, I knew I was in the wrong place, mainly because of the way they looked at me when I walked into the room, and then secondly, because they handed me this card, and it had, it was called a dance card. You guys know what this is? See, I didn't know what that was. And it had one, two, three, and they had a band playing. I was a musician. I played in a band. I thought, okay, my top three favorite songs. That's what they want. <laughs> so I wrote down Whole Lot of Love, Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, Voodoo Child. Uh, just wrote down some great. And, and then Karen says, nah, that's for who you want to dance with. And I said, well, I don't want to dance with anybody. She said, well, that's what that's for. And I said, I'm a musician, number one, and two, I don't dance, and they don't dance. Musicians don't dance. But it was the oddest. If it hadn't been for her being there with me, I would have left immediately. But some people walk into rooms many times in a much uh, serious, more serious situations, and they just go, I am so out of place here. You know, Jesus felt like that. Scripture says that Jesus came to his own and he, they knew him not. Even though he walked into the midst of a group of people who were his own, they didn't know him. They didn't recognize him for who he was. We're in a series building up to our 18th birthday called The Church That Jesus Would Build. That's the church here at the Vineyard in Myrtle Beach that we believe, after much prayer in these 18 years, 
some of the values that we believe that we want to be known for and that we want to see encouraged and uh, strengthened over the next few years. A couple of weeks ago, I taught on being a learning church that, you know, I've, I've never been more excited in my life about learning. I just have an insatiable appetite. And the more I've got to know Jesus over these past 44 years, I realize how little I do know. And there's so much more to learn about him. And there's so much more for us to go together as a church to learn about him. Also to learn about how to love our community the way Jesus wants us to. So we don't want to stop. We, want to, we don't want to camp out. We don't want to say, hey, we know enough. Let's just enjoy where we are. No, there's so much more for us to learn. And, uh, and then last week, my pit crew, those of you who don't know what that is, pit crew is my preachers or pastors in training. And uh, I've got a great group. We meet every week at my house, and they preach me sermons, and we go over. We've been doing this for two years now. And so they preached last week, and they taught that we want to be a worshiping church, a worshiping church. And today, I believe that Jesus wants to build us, not that we aren't already this, but we are to be even more so a generous church. And so I want to look at that today, that is that us becoming a more generous church. So I'm going to pray. You have a fill-in in your handout that you can take out and follow along with me if you'd like. And uh, we'll jump into this. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to gather together to worship you and to look at your word. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit, I really need your help. I pray you would give me the gift of teaching Help me in my weakness. Indeed, let us have ears to hear, all of us, me included, whatever you want to say to us today. Be generous with your presence, Lord. We receive you here today. You're welcome here. In Jesus' name, amen. When we think about generosity, maybe uh, some of us go to the examples of people like Bill and Melinda Gates, who have given away about $30 billion now. That's a lot of money, <laughs> and I think it's wonderful they're giving away money, and Warren Buffett, $18 billion, uh, George Soros, $8.5 billion, Gordon Moore, $5 billion, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that people give those kinds of amounts of money to help people. It's just wonderful, but let's, let's just be honest. It's probably not the Bill and Melinda Gates that are going to bless us with generosity, If we experience a generous person or a generous situation, it's probably going to be with another person or a group that's close to us. Most likely, they're going to show up at just the right time, and we're going to get blessed. It it won't be the billions of dollars that touch us. It'll be those times when someone's there or someone helped meet a need way beyond what we ever expected. And it seems to me like Jesus has that in mind for his church, that that's who we are and that's who we're to be. As a people, the definition of generous is a person, and I plugged in a church, a church showing readiness to give more of something as money, time, possessions than is strictly necessary or expected. That's being generous, providing more than the amount that is needed or normal. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, he said, Given, it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, 
it will be measured to you. It's like the more generous you are, the more generous God is in pouring it out into your life. It seems to be a, a theme all the way through Luke, especially in Luke ten thirty three, uh, we read of the popular story of the Good Samaritan. Even putting those two words together, good and Samaritan, you know, in this culture, uh, from the Jewish culture, was uh, was a little bit that's a little strange because they weren't known to be good. They weren't known to to like the Jewish people to love them. And here comes a Samaritan who finds a guy in the ditch who has been beat up. He's been robbed of everything he has. He's hurt. And not only does this guy stop to look and to see, he doesn't just call 911. You know how you don't want to get involved sometimes? You're like, wow, that looks bad, 911. Well, this guy didn't go call 911. He got off of his donkey. He went down into the ravine or down into the ditch. He knelt down with the guy. He began to bandage his wounds. He began to take care of him, pick him up, put him on his donkey, took him to the inn, checked him into the inn, said, take care of this guy. A guy he did not know, a guy he should not have probably cared for, and I will pay you every penny that you spend on seeing that he is okay. Now, that's generosity. That is going way beyond what would have been expected at all. Just this theme. And then in Luke 15, we get to the well-known story of the prodigal. The prodigal son. I mean, here he is. He's got everything. He's, he's with his dad. And then he basically says to his dad, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. I want to go now and go to Myrtle Beach and live it up, you know. And there's a lot of things to do in Myrtle Beach, dad. And I want my money now, you know. And so the dad gives it to him. He says, go. Well, the, you know, the guy goes off and he spends all his money and and he wasted every bit until he is left with nothing. And he thinks, hey, I'll just go back to dad. I'll humble myself and ask him if I can just work for him like some of his employees. So he goes back and his dad's watching for him. Watching for him as he came down the road. His dad runs to him, grabs him. Doesn't give his son a chance to say anything. He goes, quick, like now, quick, bring a robe. Bring a robe. Throw it on his shoulders. Bring a ring. I'm proud of him. Put it on his finger. Bring some shoes. Put it on his poor feet. Look, it's, he doesn't even have slaps, flip-flops uh, anymore after being in Myrtle Beach. You know, it's gone. And let's kill the fatted calf. Let's celebrate. My son who was lost is found. He's come home. That's a picture of generosity. Going way beyond just a welcome back. It's a theme over and over and over again in Scripture. Generosity. Uh, over in Hebrews, in the 13th chapter, uh, if you would turn, there's two verses I just I want to mention this morning. And let me just say this about the book of Hebrews when it comes to generosity uh, and about this book. Hebrews is a very special book. We don't know who wrote the book, really. Some think Apollos. Uh, you may have been taught it was Paul. Probably not Paul. Um, this is not a letter. This is a sermon. The book of Hebrews is a sermon because this church, this group of people, we're not sure exactly who this preacher, as he calls himself, uh, was writing this letter to. But he knew this church really well. Matter of fact, he was a part of it. But he wasn't anywhere close, so he writes a sermon out and he sends it to this church. This church that he cares about. Now, this church is weak. Their knees are bent. Their arms and shoulders are down. They are tired. They're tired of being different in their culture. 
They're tired of worshiping. They're tired of meeting together. Attendance is down. They're tired of trying to worship and trying to live the way that they've been taught to live. And so the preacher in the midst of this, loving this church, writes a sermon out, sends it to the church and says, read this. I mean, that's kind of antithetical to things that we think of, of how are you going to encourage a church? Write them a sermon. But in the book of Hebrews, it's so rich with theology and who Christ is. But if you will keep in mind when you read this book that this is a church that's hurting. This is a church that is tired. This is a church that has been working very hard to do what it's been taught to do, but it's just grown weary. Then all of the words will take on a whole different meaning, especially if you find yourself there in this. So 13th chapter, you do have a fill-in if you want to use that because we're going to run right through that. Uh, This book was written probably somewhere around 60 to 100 A.D. And let's read this. Here we go. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Hebrews 13.1. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. In your fill-in today, your first fill-in is this. A generous church is a loving church. A generous church is a loving church. This tired group of people, the, the preacher is saying to them, keep on. In other words, don't give up. Don't stop loving one another. You are tired maybe of even gathering with each other. And it's like, don't do this. Don't stop. Keep on. Keep on. And keep on loving Loving one another. Don't stop. You know, loving is not that easy to do sometimes. You, don't, you know that, right? Anybody that's been married a while knows that, you know. Now, look, I, 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 I'm getting in trouble. I know. I, I, it, the flood of chemicals in our body, I love it. It's great. That wonderful feeling of love. But if love cannot be experienced and if you cannot see it in another person, it really doesn't mean that much. If you can't see it in the activities and how people treat one another, if you can't walk through the times when you don't feel like keeping on doing it, then it's really not that deep of a love, is it? I mean, that's, we've talked about this before. My wife and I have been married 44 years. And, you know, we have had those times when the chemicals are awesome, you know, and then, and then you hit those times where you go, how deep is this commitment and love that we have to each other? And you dig in there and you find out that that love is a much deeper thing than you ever thought it was because you keep on loving. And what happens? It comes back to you. Pressed down. It's flooding over. And the preacher says in Hebrews, he says, look, church, keep on loving. Don't stop loving one another in the midst of this tiresome time that you find yourself in. And not only just keep on loving one another, but keep on loving one another as what? Brothers and sisters. Now, that's a whole other depth of love, right? I mean, if you have a brother or sister, you know how much you care. Well, maybe <laughs> brothers and sisters, they have their times. I had all boy. I'm the oldest of, you know, all brothers in my family. And, uh, but, you know, there's something very special about that commitment. There's something very special about having a brother or a sister and how committed you are. You can be having the deepest disagreement with them and all of a sudden they need something and you're ready to jump straight up and go to bat for them, to be there for them. The preacher says, keep on loving one another as brothers 
and sisters. Even in this weary time. That is, be generous with your love. It's easy to pull it back at times and to not show it and not to be committed to it. But the preacher says, no, even in the the worst of times, in the most challenging times, don't pull back. Keep on loving one another and not just one another as friends, but as brothers and sisters. When uh, you read this, keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, we get the word Philadelphia. You know what that is, right? Philadelphia. Anybody from Philadelphia? In here, been yeah, I knew it, and uh, there you go. And uh, you know, our church is made up of ninety-five percent of our church is not from here. We're from, you know, I'm probably the only guy from the south in this church right here, you know, because Myrtle Beach is just made up of all the wonderful people. And uh, yeah, oh Tim, sorry, he's one. Uh, but Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, right? This is where the word, where we get the word. That's Philadelphia. It's a gathering of love of brothers and sisters. And when I think of this, uh, you think of being generous with forgiveness. In a family, you're very generous with forgiveness. You have to. You're with each other. You're going to be with each other. And in a church, when we have our differences at times, it's, it's important to remember to keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, to be generous with that love. And part of that love is forgiveness. Letting one another off the hook when we need to let them off the hook so that we can keep on loving one another. And in a church, it's like a family. We, we will find opportunities to have to forgive, to be generous with our love. And it's being generous with our time with one another. Uh, how many of us in here maybe have just started coming the last six months or so, but you haven't really met anyone yet? Instead of us, all of us who have been coming for some time, rushing out, maybe taking some time to go over to someone you don't know and introducing yourself and, and say welcome and glad you're here. Being generous with that time, generous uh, with your forgiveness, being generous with your finances uh, in the church and when people need help. Uh, you're going to see some of the things we do at the end of the service uh, during the offering in a video. But, you know, the church, the early church was known for its generosity. Uh, in 251 A.D., the churches in Rome, this was before Roman Catholicism. In 251 A.D., the house churches all around Rome, and I guess there were some bigger rooms at that time for the churches, they were supporting 1,500 widows, taking care of 1,500 widows at that time, people who could not take care of themselves. The church has got a long record of being generous. Uh, one of the uh, history books that I read talked about new people coming into the early church. And it said even if they were newcomers, they were not strangers. But brothers and sisters. A study established that early Christians outlived their pagan neighbors. What that demonstrates is that Christians enjoyed a superior quality of life. They did so because of their commitment to what was an unusual virtue in ancient times. The quality of mercy. Because the pagans did not value mercy. The Romans did not value mercy. The Greeks did not value mercy. But the early church did. They actually outlived their pagan neighbors because of that mercy. There's so much to learn, like I said. Another uh, definition for generosity is the overflow of grace. 
Don't you love that? If God has poured his grace out into your life in a certain way, God has been there for you that as he's filled your fountain with that grace, that then that fountain overflows into someone else's life. That you're generous with that grace and giving that grace to another person because God has been so generous to us. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. And secondly, it was a generous church is a welcoming church. A welcoming church. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now, when it says strangers, it doesn't mean weirdos. Um, no, not like, you know, the stranger you are, the more of a stranger you are. You know, it's not like, it's not like that. That's not, that's not the definition, you know. The definition is like strangers is someone who doesn't have like a family, who doesn't have that group to belong to. Someone who maybe like the students that we minister to during the summer here. They don't have a family here. They're thousands and thousands of miles away. They have no one to protect them, no one to care for them. And so our church comes along, and uh, we're here to do that, to welcome them. They are strangers because they do not have any group around them. And so when someone like that comes into our church or comes into one of our gatherings, to be a generous church is to welcome them. You know, you have no idea what it means to someone who is broken and has felt rejection uh, and just has felt no love and acceptance from someone. And they walk into a building and someone notices them and comes over with a smile and welcomes them. You have no idea the miraculous power that God uses through you, works through you when you do the welcome. You have no idea All of us at some point in time could find ourselves where we wish we had someone giving us a welcome, right? Someone who said, I'm glad you're around. You know, I'm glad you're here. Even if you look a little different than I do, even if you talk a little different than I do, uh, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Especially like the widow. The widow who has lost her husband and she has no one to take care of her. The widower who's lost his wife and has no one to look after him anymore. Those, again, who come to our country, who come here looking to work and looking, but they're out of their bigger context, and they're looking for someone to care for them, to welcome them. The welcome of the stranger was a part of the early church in a huge way. Matter of fact, taking someone into your home even was a sacred act in the early church. Some of the, uh, some of the practices of the early church and during the first couple of hundred years is it just would, would blow our hospitality out of the water. One was that when a stranger showed up at your, at your home and knocked on your door, that when you let them in, they suddenly became the master of the house. Like you said, you are welcome here. And if you said, are you hungry? And they went, yes, we've been traveling a long distance. And you would say, what do you want to eat? And if they said, I'd like steak and potatoes, you know. And you would cook them steak and potatoes. And you would bring them into your house and you would treat them. Because it was with love and dignity and respect because it was a sacred act. Because let's be honest. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet a long ways off, Christ died for us. 
while we were so much the stranger, so far away from God, that Christ came and died for us to welcome us back into his family and back into his love and relationship with him. And that, I really think that's a big part of this. God's trying to remind us when we welcome the stranger or how we've been welcomed. Because we were all strangers to God. A long ways off and without him at one time. But through Christ, he has drawn us close. And so now the church practices what God has done for us. We get to practice it before our community and before one another. And welcome one another. Hospitality, the word is philoxenia, uh, which means welcome or the love of the stranger. Love of the stranger. As a matter of fact, uh, the root meaning in words like hospital, hostile, hospice, all of that is based in that root word. And that is love for the stranger. Love of the stranger. Um, I hope that here at... Seacoast Vineyard, that we will not allow this pervasive curse that's in our culture of separating the sacred and the secular. And we can say, well, we're going to be sacred in the building, but when we leave from here, you know, I, I go back out into the secular world. No, did you know every, every act that you do as a follower of Christ is sacred? Every welcome, every contact, Every conversation you have as a follower of Jesus is a sacred moment. There is no secular for us and there, there is only sacred for those of us who follow Jesus. That is the blessed mission we've been called to. And so every act and every time we come in contact with someone, every challenge we have is a moment for the sacred to occur. Very special time. And so when we greet people, we welcome people, people we don't know, people that may be different than us. That is a sacred moment. Sacred moment like maybe like it was when Christ accepted you and brought you to himself. A sacred moment. So let's don't let the world cram into us. that They're secular and they're sacred. For those of us who follow Jesus, there is only the sacred. Every Sunday, you know, there's four services here now and Every Sunday, even in this service right now, there are walking wounded. Well, you're sitting wounded now. But every time you come, you know, every time we come in here, you know, I come in here a walking wounded. I come in here a walking wounded. Well, we all do. And the welcome of that walking wounded person goes a long ways toward healing. And if we would see each other like that, if we would welcome one another like that, you would be shocked at what it would do. To the hearts of those that you extend that mercy and that welcome to. And that is, a, that is a small thing to do. Small thing to do. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. That's that brother and sister thing, huh? Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. <laughs> Each of you should use whatever gift you have Received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Well, we're headed toward our 18th birthday. This is a generous church. It already is a generous church. Uh, so I'm just reinforcing this and saying in the days ahead, we want to even be a more generous and show more generosity to, to more people and to our community and, 
and serving in every way we can. And you're going to hear more about that when we talk about being an outward-focused church next week. And then we have our birthday, and Andy and Sharon will be here with us. I want to share three things that will help you to, to close this out. We'll help you invite someone because you don't, you don't know who to invite. That's what those tags are up on the walls is people, as God speaks to our church, people write their first name down, put them on the wall, and we're praying for them. We're praying uh, each week. And so we've got two weeks left. This comes from Andy Stanley. This is not mine, but I ripped it off, and uh, I liked it. I kind of retitled it, but uh, this is three knots that say yes, invite me. <laughs> Three knots that say yes, invite me. The one is if you're talking to someone and they say, I'm not attending church. Man, there is your invitation. There's your invitation. Just, hey, our birthday party is October the 4th. Why don't you come with me and invite them? Okay, they're not going to church. Just step in. They were asking you for that. That's what they're doing. It's a sacred moment. The second one is, I'm not doing well. Well, hey, come join the group. You know, come on. We're all trying to get better. That's what we're here for, to get better, to follow Jesus. So, hey, I'm not doing well. Why don't you come with me to our birthday party, our church birthday party? Because there's so many of us there. We're not doing well either, and we're trying to get better, and Jesus is helping us, and who knows what God might do. Why don't you come? Come with me. And the other one is, I'm not ready for fill in the blank. If a person you're talking to says, I'm not ready for what? I'm not ready for retirement. I'm not ready for this baby. I'm not ready for divorce. I'm not ready to get married. I'm not ready for children. I'm not ready to change jobs. Whatever. A person in transition at any state, they need to be around you folks. They need to be in the fellowship where they can get support and love and wisdom from you and from us learning together what Christ has for us. So there you go. This is easy, right? I'm not attending church. Hey, there it goes. Where do you go to church? I don't go to church. There it is. I'm not doing well. Hey, I know a group like that. Come on. We're all trying to get better together. You know, really? Yeah. I'm not ready for blank. I know what you mean. Hey, why don't you come to our birthday celebration at our church? Because there's a lot of us that have gone through things that we weren't ready for. And invite them to come out. You got that? Take the fill in with you so you can look at it. And when you talk to your friends and you hear any of those three, you can invite them. Generosity, a generous church. God was so generous with us on the cross. So generous to me. You know, just at a surfing contest, you know, didn't go there to find Jesus, but Jesus was waiting in that hotel room for me. Showed up. Jesus says, hey, Tim, welcome. You know, like, what? You're here, Jesus? You're at a surfing contest? And you know, it changed my whole life. The generosity of God to pour out his love for just a surfer. The generosity of love to pour his love in his heart and his life out for you. Now his church gets to be a generous group of people who get to show the love of God in very practical ways. Let's be a generous church. Let's give of ourselves to one another. Let's keep loving one another as brothers and sisters. And you know what? It says we entertain angels not knowing it. Well, you know, maybe that is true. Maybe we've run into some angels and 
Then suddenly they're gone. But you know what else I see in this? This is a heavenly act. When you welcome a stranger, it's a heavenly act. It's something very sacred and wonderful. So, let's commit to be a generous church. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast from Seacoast Vineyard Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We look forward to you joining us next time on iTunes or at our website, www.seacoastvineyard.com.